0: Welcome to the Chicago Business Review, where we introduce you to some of the most successful and sharpest minds from my hometown, Chicago, so that you can find out the secrets that have helped these professionals achieve massive success. If you wanna accelerate your growth in your personal and professional life, so that you can do more, have more, give more, and ultimately, Live the life you've always desired, then sit back and stay tuned in because you are in the right place. I'm your host, Young Lee, and you are listening to the Chicago Business Review. Hello, everyone. I am so excited for this week's episode. We have such a special guest for you today. He is Kip Knipple, the founder and CEO of Kip Search, a headhunting company that focuses on finding talent for C suite executive leadership, legal, and other key employees to help organizations reach their full potential and destiny. He is a person that is constantly giving and offering knowledge as well as wanting to help the people that he works with. He started out after law school um, in mergers and acquisitions. He did commercial real estate. He also ran for Senate in the state of Minnesota while finishing up law school and trying to marry his now wife, I can't believe he's done all of these things. Let's not wait any longer and welcome Kip to the show. Kip, thanks so much for joining us today, my man. Thank you, Young. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, no, I was so excited uh, when you agreed to to jump on. And then, like we were saying, we were riffing for like 40 minutes before we even started here. And I wish we recorded all of that conversation because it was... So insightful and uh, so great to meet such giving people like yourselves. But first, why the decision to start your headhunting company and move from being an attorney or focusing on politics or the mergers and acquisitions or commercial real estate and all these other things that you've done in your amazing life so far?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, right before launching my executive search firm, I was in commercial real estate at, at CB Richard Ellis, big commercial real estate company. And I loved it, but I just felt like some something was missing. You're helping companies, you know, get good deals on real estate, put together, you know, real estate portfolios. I just felt like I was missing that really impact on like the person. Like you're Helping companies save money, or are helping them be strategic. But I, anyway, so I was doing commercial real estate. I met some people in the executive search business just to refer business back and forth. And uh, they actually recruited me for a year to come join them. Uh, and then I finally did. From day one, like I just turned to my real estate clients and instead of doing commercial real estate, started doing executive search locally and around the country. And uh, from day one, like all my clients were my own, I won the work, I executed it. You know, my my clients had not heard of the firm I was at until I introduced them, and then so kind of quickly wised up and, and launched my own firm. But it's, it's just so meaningful to be able to make such an impact on people's lives. You know, obviously companies getting, you know, C-suite people in place to really increase the trajectory of the business, but then on the candidate side, to really help people change their lives, you know, move up in their career, impact their families, you know, personally their dreams their goals and it's just very very rewarding and i mean it's
0: absolutely one of the best decisions i've ever made yeah no that's that's incredible and just knowing you a little bit and knowing you're caring for humans and people and your willingness to give and provide value i i can see how that's just such a great fit for you i know you've been established for a while now but uh you know, what does your typical day look like nowadays? Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, there is no
1: typical day. As the that, honest answer, yeah. um, you know, it's a lot of, you know, half my teams in Minnesota, half is done in Texas, you got someone out. It was on the East coast, but I'd relocated to Ohio not too long ago. So part of it is, you know, initially it was just me and then, you know, grew out a team. And so now it's a lot of, you know, focusing on the business, you know, growing the business, scaling, Implement a lot of the things we learn in in Arte, you know, the group that we're both members of. Um, so it's a lot of leadership, leadership development, training, I mean, coaching. Uh, but then also, you know, you're at your hands in everything in the business. I mean, business development. You know, a lot of time with with clients, trying to you know continue to learn and and advance my knowledge, and you know, so then I can in turn, you know, give value to the team, people on my team, but then also to
0: our clients. Yeah. No, I like yeah. That's a, it's not a typical day, is the answer? Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 totally makes sense, especially as you've been expanding rapidly from your guys' successes and such. How do you connect with like the companies or your clients? And then when they're looking for somebody, what is the process to try to find that like perfect match? Because I know you have such a high success rate. Of finding what these companies need like how do you go about that because i would imagine you know there's not really a science or a formula to it necessarily so you know what do you kind of focus on when you're when you're looking for talent or when you're trying to find a client that you want to partner with
1: yeah no great questions maybe the i'll do the on the client thing first i mean as as things have evolved, we really want to you know, not only they target the types of companies or industries or things like that, but really companies that have the right core values and the right culture. Because, you know, at this point in time, I mean, there's, we all have this abundance mindset within Kip Search. You know, there's plenty of work out there for our firm and every other, you know, executive or creative firm. So we really want to focus on the clients that really have the right strong core values and the culture that we can then be an extension of their brand. And take that to the market to find the right people to to join them. So it's really trying to like, it's like when you're hiring, I mean, someone could be fantastic, but if they're a jerk, you don't want them within your company and same clients. I mean, there could be an amazing company, but if, you know, it's a really bad culture, really dysfunctional. I just talked to someone this morning before our call here, our conversation about just a toxic culture in their old organization. And we just try to avoid those on the front end. So it's really trying to target Companies have a lot of conversations, you know, get to know the executive leadership and really get to know their culture and their core values and who they're all about. And then in turn, you know, try to be a trusted advisor to them and add value and really build that long-term relationship rather than trying to be transactional and chase their next CFO search or the president search, really build a relationship. So when it is time for a new CFO or a president or a chief technology officer or whatever the role is, you know, we're there as, as their trusted, trusted advisor. So that's kind of part of one or two on candidates. Um, It's so much fun. I mean, it's, it's, I gotta imagine it's very difficult and intimidating. So (laughs) we have a hundred percent success. We've never failed on a search. Um, And part of that is just our process. It's very process driven. Um, Average search, you know, from when we kick it off, to when it's done meaning the person joins the company whether it's again whether it's a ceo or it's a controller or, or something else it's a month and a half and kicking it off to when the person starts and at three weeks into our search we present our slate of fully vetted candidates usually between four and six we think we don't narrow down to the top six candidates we're not really adding value be respectful of our clients time and on the flip side if we can't find at least four absolute a players we don't think we're doing our job either so it's very process driven um, it's a very extensive vetting process with the candidates. And, and it's frankly, it's rigorous for them to go through. So just by going through our process, it shows they're committed to the role and that they're you know, a top
0: person. Otherwise, they're never going to even see our client. Yeah. No, that, that's incredible. So um, I know you were mentioning about core values being aligned as one of the critical factors to work with you in either facet, because yes, we don't want to attract people that have different core values or different priorities. And so by aligning yourself with those types of clients, it's easier for you then to attract, well, I wouldn't say easier, but it's clearer to identify the talent that you're looking for because you're aligned with those core values with your clients. Now, for the people that you're searching for, like, what are some other things that you're looking for other than like alignment and core value? Of course, like expertise and competence is a huge factor, but like, how do you determine those things and like, what other factors are you guys looking for in, in these candidates?
1: Yeah, no, great question. Um, you know, the honest answer is, you know, a lot of many, many people have the technical skills to do whatever the role is, whatever the job right. is. Um, so it's, and it really, we really try to dive into again, their own personal core values and what type of culture they think they would like and really ask them, you know, specifically, why are you interested in our client? I mean, why do you want to work for this client? And then why do you want this role? And really ask those direct questions. Um, and, you know, part of our process is we have candidates fill out a really extensive candidate questionnaire that really that we then deliver to our client. Uh, so even before interviewing them, when we present our candidates, our clients can really have, excuse me, understand them personally, professionally, culture wise, core value wise. Again, why are they interested in working at their company? Why are they interested in the specific role and really have the whole picture of the person before they even decide who they want to interview? Um, what I always tell clients, which is true, you know, we've, these, these six candidates have gone through this amazing, you know, fully vetted process and all of them would be outstanding at your company. So now your interview process internally is who really is the right culture fit, personality fit for who they're going to work with. They can all do the job. they're, They're all outstanding, but now you get to put a fine tooth comb and really see who, would be the right fit for who they're going to work with here. And, and, you know, a lot of times you have clients come back with the initial, like, we like all six of these, or, you know, they've gone through the interview process. Well, we we like Allie, like John, and we can't decide between them. That's like a good problem for our clients to have. And it happens a lot. Yeah. And then you just kind of got to go with your gut and make a decision. But we really, we just spend so much time with the candidates to really get to know them. And and we're never selling them on a roll we're just giving them enough information to take the next step and the next step and the next step and so really understanding our client on the front end and understanding the candidate on the other side and just trying to be completely open and transparent so everyone knows what they're getting into and there's yeah. no secret sauce i mean it's
0: yeah no it's So that. people and asking asking the right questions yeah i know and i feel like that is a superpower of yours is Asking good questions and explaining things through stories and things of that nature. So, I guess I'll ask it a little differently. Are there a certain set of qualities that you look for, or from your experience, that you find are common traits in the people that you find? Like, uh, because again, you're saying these are all very accomplished, skilled people, but like, are there like certain traits you're looking for, like they're a morning, they have a morning routine or, uh, you know, just, is there anything that kind of is a common factor between the people you look for or it's just, it, it's pretty random type of thing?
1: I mean, I would say it really depends on the role for one. And that depends on like our client company, like those things change I mean, the core, like if, if we go out to lunch with, with a CFO candidate, you just see how do they treat, you know, the waiter or the waitress, or how do they, you know, treat the person, you know, parking their car or, you know, the metrede or hostess. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, how are they as a person when, you know, they're not quote interviewing, but you're just kind of watching how they interact with people and do they take interest in people? I'd say another general quality is just having that abundance mindset and having a Positive outlook on life and the world, and not being negative and pessimistic. I always, I always talk about just kind of rational optimism. Like you don't want to be delusional, yeah, yeah. Not someone that's op- optimistic, but they're rational. They're living in the real world, but yeah. they still have a positive outlook on life and on, on business. And you know, again, it depends on the client. But executives that want to come in, I mean, they want to have an impact. They want to see it at the table. They want to transform the business. A lot, of, a lot of the people we place don't want to come into a company and just keep status quo. They want to make changes or they just want to help catapult the business and take it to the next level. You know, so those people that get fired up by that kind of stuff, you know, we do a fair amount of work with like private equity portfolio companies. yeah. And those types of executives are not looking to be in a role for 20 years. They're looking to be there for, you know, three, four, five, six years. We're going to have an exit, you know, and move on and keep doing that over and over again. So that's a very different executive than you know, other ones that we do where it really is. We're looking for our, our CFOs retiring. We're looking for the next CFO to be here for the next 20 years. Yes, we want to grow the business and and, and not have status quo, but we want someone we're not looking to sell. We're a private company or a family-owned business. Uh, we want someone that can come in and make a long-term impact and have a real commitment to us as a company, and we're going to have a real, you know, trust and impact and dedication to this new CFO. that uh, really, there are some common things, but a lot of it, is dependent on the situation
0: and what the business is trying to do. And again, what their culture and core values really are. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Cause each, each search I would imagine is unique to it in and of itself. And so, yeah, there's some commonalities, like you were saying, abundance mindset, really that rational optimism. I love that term, man. I'm going to have to steal that one from you. <laughs> that's a great term and something i feel like is lacking a lot of times either people are too rational and therefore always worried about how things are going to play out or they're irrationally confident (laughs) and they don't understand uh reality sometimes so i love that term um so for people now that aren't executives or that are just looking to get a job i know you've dealt with so many interviews and you know you've seen so many great interviews but you've also seen interviews go badly like what are some tips for people that you know maybe aren't at that level of ceo or cfo but they're looking to get a job they recently got laid off or you know they're just looking for a better opportunity uh what are some tips and suggestions you would give to those types of
1: people? Oh, fantastic. question! And and as you can imagine, I mean, when people hear, you know, what I do, all we do, I mean, people, candidates, people looking for jobs reach out all the time. And in in my old firm and, and other firms, I mean, a lot of times people won't talk to candidates unless it's a search they're working on. But I always try to spend some time with them. And it's really kind of pay it forward model and just try to help open doors any way I can. And one thing I always suggest they do is spend a little bit of time because a lot of times when people are making a move, they're open to different opportunities and all kinds of different things. But I say, if you can spend a little bit of time and think if I could paint the perfect role at the perfect company, or maybe it's three or four or five totally different ones, what would that be? And then let's laser focus and try to find that, that perfect role or those different perfect roles. And you can always broaden it to other things, but why not look for you're in this you know, situation Anyway, where you're looking for your next role, why not look for exactly what you think you want and see if you can find it? And you'd be surprised how many times you can, rather than just, I'm just going to take the next role that I can easily find. Let's look for exactly what you want. And if nothing else, it's just a good mental exercise to go through and help you really look internal and, and think, well, what am I passionate about or what gets me excited and fired up and, and energized? And let's go see if we can go find that,
0: that's. That's such that's such an amazing tip, and I think people really should listen to that part because I feel like when people are in the grind, they're not necessarily thinking, okay, what do I want? What am I really great at that brings me joy in that I can do every day? Instead, they're like, okay, I'm kind of good at this. This is what I've been doing, so let's just continue on this path. Um, but then they have that discontentment. And so that's such an amazing tip. And then again, that useful exercise of self-awareness and trying to realize, okay, what are my strengths? What does make me passionate to excel? And and even if you don't necessarily find that role, at least now you've gone through an exercise where you're aware of it and you'll it, then the RAS, the reticular activating system in your brain will start looking for things because now it's in your consciousness. So I love that advice. Uh, Now also for maybe newbies and such, or people just getting started uh, when they're interviewing, do you have any like tips that they should either do or avoid? I'm not to necessarily manipulate the interview or portray themselves as something different. But I, you know, I, I I know you had mentioned like, you know, uh, something that seems obvious, but some people might do is swear a lot when they're interviewing or something like that. Do you have any other tips? Because, you know, you meet these people that are like, I crushed the interview. I don't know what happened. Like, what are some things that they might not have been aware of or that you've seen really just screw up an interview. You mentioned like the way you treat the wait staff or, you know, the help at places, but anything else that, that you think of?
1: Yeah. That's a fantastic question. And I just, a quick point on that. Like when we, cause when our, our candidate goes in interviews, we always then have like an interview, so we Yo, have an interview, yeah. interview uh, and then we'll do with our client next. But whenever I hear a candidate say I absolutely crushed the interview, I mean it was amazing. It always makes me a little nervous. I'm like, yeah. usually, they, <laughs> you know. And whereas when I when there's a candidate that I know is really good, but they're a little nervous. I'm not sure how it went. It usually went really well with that person. But the person that thinks they absolutely crushed it, yeah, because that you know kind of irrational confidence that's usually a red flag. Um, but yeah, we we do like interview prep before they go into and. I always tell people, I mean, you want you wanna a couple of things. You want to dress like overdress, look professional, look nicer than you think you need to, maybe one step nicer than maybe you think is appropriate. Uh, but I always suggest just be open and authentic and be yourself. Don't try to answer questions the way you think they want them to be answered. Because you want to really understand. they are as a company and you want to present really who you are and you don't want to like fake your way through an interview and then you get into the job and they hired you based on something that you're not so just open and authentic and then i always tell people to come armed with the questions that you know you're, candidate you're interviewing this company just as much as they are interviewing you so come armed with the questions that you need to have answered for it to help you uh, you know decide is this the right company is this the right role for me um, so I think that's really, really important. Mm. And um, you know, it really is a war for talent. I mean, you hear that all the time, you see it all across social media and and then the news. And that means if a candidate's good at whatever it is they do, they have a ton of options. Yeah. And so it, you know, the supply-demand thing, it's like the housing market. I mean, there's not enough houses for people that want a house. There's not enough candidates for companies that want good people. So you, the candidate really is in the driver's seat. Huh? So you want to, you want to carefully evaluate each, but you don't want to go in with arrogance or confidence or confidence.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think just arming with their questions. And then on the flip side, when they get asked the question, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, which is so open-ended. I try to help them formulate just a, a succinct paragraph. Like, you know, what, what are you doing now? What have you done up to this point in your career? Like one or two sentences on that. You know, what do you want to do next? You know, just like a sentence on that. You know, what's what's an accomplishment you've had in your career that someone would be interested to know about? You know, and I, and I always kind of define that as, you know, how did you help a company make money? How did you help a company save money? How did you help, you know, your organization, you know, improve a process or procedure? Just like one example for one of those, again, that someone would want to hear about. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of go through all that and then uh, follow up with, you know, is there anything I've said there that you want to know more about? And then you can expound on it rather than, you know, I was born, (laughs) I went to high school here in college and then I had to to law school or whatever it is. Yeah. Try to keep that one succinct.
0: That's, that's great advice. And, uh, I think that that's very useful for Pretty much anybody that's applying for a job anywhere, you're always going to hear that question. Tell me about yourself. And I feel like a lot of times people don't know how to answer that and they just keep talking and talking. And you got to remember, like, these people are looking to hear certain things that they're looking for. They don't need your whole life story Uh, unless they ask unless they ask you, you know. But, you know, otherwise, just focus on being very succinct and getting your message across. That is such great advice. And it makes you look more prepared for the conversation as well, which is obviously going to come off very strong. Now, you mentioned something about the war for talent. So I guess switching gears, if you are an employer, you uh, what are some things that employers can do to help retain talent? Uh, obviously, compensation is important, but that's not the main driving force for everyone. What are some other things that like companies can do to keep their great talent and keep them happy so that they continue that momentum? Oh, great question.
1: And I think really having a focus on cuz you be like what are our core values as an organization like think about that and define them and and write them down and put them on the wall or you know wherever you portray it so your people all people your top performers everybody can see what what are our core values and you know and think very consciously about what is our culture what is the culture we want where are we now you know what what's not working what what's the culture we want to be And and it's sort of the top down. I mean, your leader of the organization has to live it for in order, you know, for the next level and however many levels within your company. If you want your people to live your core values and embrace your culture, you know, it needs to really be from the top. That person needs to be living it and showing it every day. And we again going back to Arte that we talk about, have those core values and then run your business based on that. Hire based on your core values, fire based on your core values or you Know, instructor, coach people if, if something's not working based on the core values and just keep coming back to those, um, as you know, kind of the rock and the foundation of your business. And it makes things you know, a lot of companies, everything's just nebulous, and there's no I mean, we have this employee manual that's this thick and no one's ever read it. And but if you just have you know, four or five core values that are again, I just say it's on the wall, I'm just looking up, it's on my wall here, yeah. Um, and you can always point to those and, and instruct people based on that and try to help them. Um, and then the flip side is ask your people, I mean, what, what do you like about, you know, working here? What, what could be better? And, and especially with your top performers, have those conversations, those one-on-ones and ask them what's working. What do they like? Where, where do they see opportunities for improvement? And you don't have to do all of them, but at least understand what your people are thinking and then decide what are the priorities and let's try to, Implement some of these things, and it makes sense to improve our culture. And and just don't think, well, we did the culture thing; we're done. We're not going to think about it for ten years. I mean, just kind of always, you know, have that top of mind, and and in your conversations, and in your meetings. And obviously, you have to make money, and otherwise, there is no business, and there are no jobs for people. But right. keep cognizant of of uh, you know the culture, and again, going back to. Keep going back to RJ. I mean, on our last call talking about, you know, if you have rock stars in your business that'll stay at your office till two or three in the morning and they're just cranking, I mean, it's awesome to have people that are that dedicated to your business, but those people are going to burn out. So you yeah. have to find ways to either hire up and have support for these people or maybe, you know, delegate some things to to different people so nobody is in that in that box.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it just you know, work life balance is so thrown out there and yeah, people just don't want to work. But yeah. want to be cognizant that people are, you know, especially your superstars, that they're having a, a quality of life. Yeah. And they're not just totally getting burned out, even though they may not see it for themselves. You as the leader need to look out for them and make sure you're caring for them, even if they're not even if it's not on their radar. You know, it's your job as a leader to protect your people, even protect them from themselves.
0: Yeah, no, that's such great advice is having that foresight for them. And that like, yeah, either they're not working hard enough. And I feel like the dilemma is you have a group of people that are rock stars that you feel like, oh, they figured it out. I don't need to spend too much time with them. And then there's this other group that you're like, oh, man they really need to pick it up. And I feel like a lot of times employers focus so much on trying to improve the people that are lesser and not focusing enough of their energy on the talented people. And then those people, it's a slippery slope once they, you know, they start getting resentful or feeling burnt out or underappreciated, like, hey, I'm doing all this stuff. And yet they're focusing on these other people that aren't doing nearly as much as I am. And so just being aware of that as a leader and then going over the core values, the reasons why you're doing this and then projecting that vision that's large enough for them to be a part of, like we learn in Arte and that Ed and Andy talked about all the time is like constantly trying to, Portray that vision that they can be excited about and feel like they're a part of is, yeah, so helpful. And it all starts with those core values. So businesses, if you do not have those core values in place, make sure you start focusing on that because that's really going to have that trickle down effect for all other aspects of your business. So I love that. Um, Now. Switching gears again, I know we had briefly mentioned that, you know, you were a collegiate athlete. I believe you played football and track in college. Is that correct? Yep. And uh, I believe I also heard that you were in a play. (laughs) You were in college as well, which, uh, you know, you usually don't equate those two together. And then after law school or while you were finishing up law school, You, uh, ran for state Senate. And so like first, uh, why the decision to do the, do the play in college when you were already an athlete? And I'm sure that already took up a lot of your time. Yeah,
1: no. Yeah. Great question. So, um, yeah, great question. The, the, the play thing. So I went to, I went to the movie Goodwill Hunting with with my girlfriend then, now my wife. Uh Uh-huh. I came out of the movie and I, and I said, I'm trying out for the spring play. I don't care what it is. I was just like, so instructed in that movie. I'm like, well, like, I'm just trying out and I'm going to do it. And, uh, it ended up. And so I did. And I got in there.
0: That's amazing. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, so the play was, it's called the birds. It's a play by an ancient playwright, Aristophanes. And then we modernized it to like modern times but it was it was so cool because i was with a totally group of people that i would have never met but for that wow. a play and you spent so much time together you know rehearsing and then performing and we did a lot of performances and it was so much fun like one of the best experiences really? in college that i and then, yeah i just i was so inspired to come to goodwill hunting <laughs> right,
0: but i went for it yeah that's awesome uh, yeah it was a lot of fun yeah no i It always amazes me and also inspires me when people step out of their comfort zone like that. And uh, it's not something that a lot of people do. And that's why I was so intrigued when I heard that. I was like, oh my goodness, that is not something people usually do because yeah, you don't like to do stuff outside of your comfort zone. But I feel like that's been one of your keys to success is, You're always willing to try something new and, uh, you know, meet different people and build those relationships. And that being one of your superpowers, I, I, I don't doubt why you've gotten to the point that you've gotten to now the, uh, running for state Senate, like what brought that about? And like, you were at a crazy point in your life where, it was already hectic and busy. Like, why the decision to do that? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, so now we're on politics, and so now I'm going to polarize it. everybody. So half yeah. the people are going to love this story and half won't like it. But <clears throat> So while I was in law school, again, my girlfriend, now wife, was working at the Minnesota State Senate uh, for Michelle Bachman, who then got into Congress and ran for president a few years back. <laughs> um, and so I was just visiting at the Senate and talking to Michelle and just upset about things going on in the state of Minnesota. And she's like, we should run for office. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And she said, no, she goes, if you run for Senate, I will teach you how to run a campaign. So I thought about it and then came back and said, all right. So it was a redistricting year. So, you know, they're redrawing the lines in the state of Minnesota. So the district I ran in was a brand new district Um, it ended up kind of getting changed right before the election. So about half the district was already represented. So my, so I ran as the Republican Uh The woman that ran as a Democrat was already in the Minnesota house. So she already represented half the district. So she was kind of a partial incumbent. Um, but yeah, so Michelle taught me how to run a campaign. Um, and, uh, the law firm I was working at, so I was in law school, clerking at a law firm. They had, had lawyers that were in the Senate, for or in the House, in the past, so they understood the benefit of it, even to the firm. So they really allowed me to spend as much time as I needed on the campaign, rather than like working. Yeah. Um, and so that gave me a lot of freedom to, you know, and I went door to door and knocked on every single door in the whole district. And
0: Move on.
1: And they there was a group that came up from Iowa that like taught us like campaign strategies and things. And so I would, so every house I went to. That I'd say into a dictaphone, you know, I just talked to, you know, Young Lee and, and you know, his wife and their three kids and like something about it. Yeah. And then, so I did that at every house. Wow. And then I'd come home at night and I had these like postcards. And so I would write out a note, you know, to you and your wife and the kids and say something about it. And then you just have, and have them all stacked up. And then a week before the election, you mail out all the postcards. Huh. So just one little strategy, you know, like, yeah. uh, it was, so much fun and I ended I ended up I didn't I did not win yeah so I lost but it was there's was like 10 things that had to happen to win nine of them did uh-huh a tenth was um again the partial incumbent the one that was the Democrat uh had someone that ran against her to get the Democratic nomination and he lost uh-huh. and he was really mad so he ran as a green party candidate with like the sole mission to make her lose uh-huh actually um and he got endorsed by both newspapers in our race and like he had signs everywhere. I mean, he was doing all this stuff, and all he had to do was take more votes than a typical Green Party candidate does, and okay. then I would have won. But in the at the end of the day, he did what they Green Party candidates always do or always did at that point and took like one or two percent. Yeah. Wasn't enough because the district was already like heavy Democrat. But it was but I had you know, I did parades, I had Democrats and Republicans on, you know, helping on my campaign and it was more, you know, how people say, you know, I, a lot of people say, you know, I want to vote for the person, not the party, and uh-huh. that kind of stuff. And, you know, when it's super local. So I think there was a lot of that going on, like, just relationships. Because I have tons of friends that are Republicans or Democrats yeah. and everyone in between, and, you know, and people in, in the different towns that were in the district. and It was super fun. I mean, I learned so much, but looking back, so, I, you know, I, I finished... So I, it was in my last semester of law school. So I did my finals. I proposed for my wife. I studied for it, took the bar exam, all while running the campaign.
0: Congrats.
1: So exhausting thinking back about it, but yeah. it was so much fun.
0: That that's that's incredible, man. Yeah. Uh, this, kudos to you for doing it again. Like there's so many people that That I talk to that are in the later stages of their lives and the things we always talk about, or they always talk about is the things they didn't do. The things that they didn't try and the regrets that they had and to talk with you and see somebody that just goes for it and is always looking to just expand and grow and not worry about the criticism or falling flat or. "Quote unquote," failing, but just being in the arena, doing the activity. You know, kudos to you for for all of it, man. It, it, and I, I would imagine that has just continued to build your character and, therefore, just your knowledge of how to continue to grow and such. So that was awesome, and I wanted to hear that story directly from you, although uh, we had talked about it briefly. Uh, now back to the job and the headhunting stuff so like for people again if you guys are uh, looking for talent please as kip had mentioned he has a hundred percent track record of success you can reach out to him his website is kipsearch.com so go check out the testimonials there find out about their core values which they have on their website so that you guys can see that you are aligned in that manner. And you can reach out to him. We'll have all of his contacts in the show notes. But Kip, again, for people that uh, might not know that they're unhappy or that they want to make a move, like, what would you tell them to think about in terms of like, is this the right decision? Is this the right time for me to make a move? Like, how can people maybe work through that themselves?
1: Yeah. Oh, a- excellent question. I mean, first off, I'd say there is no perfect time. It's never going to be perfect. It's like any big decision in life. It's, you just have to decide I'm doing it and go for it. It's, it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be, there's, I mean, when you're switching jobs, you know, if there's bonuses involved, you're always going to be walking away from some money no matter when you know if you wait to get paid your bonus you know there, there's just always going to be something you're walking away from and people you like and there's good and bad and everything so imagine i just think if you think you know three years down the road four or five ten years i'm still doing exactly what i'm doing now would i be happy
0: uh, yeah.
1: if the answer is no well then what about it wouldn't be happy and and it's just we ask questions to candidates on searches. It's just asking yourself those inquisitive questions. you know what do I really what what do I like about my job? What don't I maybe just get a piece of paper write a line down the middle and pros and cons, but just really spending some time with yourself, think without distractions, thinking about, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life like uh-huh. for ten years or five or and then what, or what part of my job do I love? What is, what's my favorite part of my job? You know, what, and what do I not like? What do I at least like? And then maybe, is there a job out there that like the favorite part of my job, like that I can do, and maybe it's something else within your existing company. You could just, if you yeah. love marketing, maybe you can move into the marketing department. And, like that's all you're doing. Or you love sales, like going out and actually meeting with people face to face, or, I mean, maybe so maybe you can make that maneuver within the company and great companies and great cultures want to keep their best people yeah. and get people in the right seat so that they can be successful the company can be successful you can be fulfilled and so it might just start there is there an opportunity within my company to do something different uh, and if not you know you start to look outside and you want to leverage your own network and if there's you know companies that you like what they stand for and what their cul- culture is and core values and maybe you target them and and then see if what you like to do would be in that company but you look at the company first or you can use the lens of you know I love you know whatever it is that you do for work and let me go find that and then we'll see what all the companies are that have opportunities to do that which company would be the right fit um, and of course you know. For you and I, I mean, if if someone has that entrepreneurial bug, at some point you just got to pull the trigger on that too. Yeah, and you're, and it's, and that, I mean, for me, launching our firm, that was the hardest decision. You know that I've faced in Kip Search, but in looking yeah. back, easiest. But it yeah. was hard. That was the hardest thing, just to take the leap and just go for it. But the best decision, and I've made, you know, many decisions since then. They're harder, but like. Uh-huh. In reality, but like that was the hardest one, just like bending on yourself and just,
0: because
1: yeah. you can always, again, this is not for everybody, for but for entrepreneurial people, you can always go back and find a job. Huh. There will always be a million jobs waiting for you. Interesting. And to your point about regrets, yeah, would you rather be, you know, retired or on your deathbed and just regrets? I never, you know, I had this idea or this business or whatever, and I just never went for it. And I... You know what? those kind of regrets for the rest of your
0: life. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Now, um, and man, I can't believe we're already this far. <laughs> here. So uh, I, I feel like we could talk forever. So we'll try to bring you back in at some point. But uh, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. So you're mentioning like taking that leap of faith. Now, um, I feel like a lot of people have this imposter syndrome or they've been out of the market like it's a a mom that's prioritized taking care of their family but you know they have a law degree or they were an executive at one point but they've been out of the job market and now they feel maybe that their resume doesn't stack up or you know what yeah I, I don't belong because I've been out of it for so long like what do you recommend to people that have that feeling or you know how can they overcome maybe some of those deficiencies Oh, great question first off it's not true
1: i mean i i've talked to i can't tell you how many like moms of like my kids yeah that are that the exact board you know maybe they're about to be empty nesters or trying to think what to do next um And just having that in the world, like doing my work, but then also like working at companies beforehand. I mean, these people that, that have been, you know, we're just using the mom example, stay at home mom for the best, how many years who thinks she's not qualified, but if she knew the kind of people that are at companies right now doing work, she's a thousand times more qualified than they are. And it's almost like, just exposing yourself a little bit to that. And, and then where you just kind of see something, well, geez, if Joe Smith can do this. I know I can do this. And really it's, it's just getting out there and like, maybe just again, taking that leap of faith and looking at opportunities. But like, once they really get in it, they will see that they are way more qualified than they think they are. And in fact, they're probably way more qualified than 80%. of Well, be, it's, it's, it's shocking. I mean, and especially like now, you know, every company or every business, from like you know Starbucks, just people that make coffee, up to C-suite and companies, they're begging for great employees. Like yeah. it is, like I said, the war for talent at all levels. Like begging for people. You see at restaurants or different places signs, "We're hiring all roles." So you you are, if you have a pulse in some job uh, in some roles, you can get a job. Uh-huh. So, if you have all this whole skill set, even though you might have been out of the workforce for a while, there are a plethora of opportunities, and it's even easier now. I mean, with LinkedIn and other things, we can just look online at op- opportunities. You don't have to physically, you know, pound the streets to look for for roles. That makes it much easier to leverage technology to explore some things. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I would say they're so underestimating their own value and their own qualifications. No, oh, that's real firsthand experience over the last
0: year. No, and I've seen that as well, but I feel like that's always something that comes up in conversation. And so I wanted to kind of ask it so that people hear it from somebody that's in it every day and uh-huh. you see these things. Cause I've seen them in companies and I'm like, if that person could have a job, then you definitely could have a job type of yeah. thing. So, big, big jobs that, Yeah. Yeah, but it's shocking in your mind. (laughs) But I I feel like there's so many people that are just like, ah, they would never hire me. And you know what? They might not, but it why not at least try, you know, because it's not true. You are very well qualified. Now, for the people that want to like switch careers or things of that nature, like how does that work? Where, like, you know what, uh, I've been an entrepreneur, and I've only been doing this one thing. But it's either not working; it's not my passion. And now I want to try to get a different job, but I it needs to be at a certain level. Uh, how do people go about doing that, like switching industries and careers, when maybe they didn't have that past experience in that job or that? Yeah.
1: No, another great question. You literally like read my mind too. I was like thinking of that as I was answering the last one in that if you're doing X, Y, Z at a company, like you've been doing marketing and you're sick of it and you want to do something else, the same thing. You are, even though you haven't been doing that for the last 10 years, you're still probably way more qualified or equally qualified to someone that's doing whatever discipline it is that you want to go do. So I, again, go take the leap. People want and companies want people that have Well, those hard skills, a lot of them you can teach and you can learn that stuff. And if someone's a quick learner or a passionate or dedicated learner, they can learn how to do anything. But it's those soft skills that are just can be applicable to kind of all different types of roles, all different industries. Um, A lot of companies, you just want great people and you just put them in the right seat. And if they want to switch seats, or maybe it means you have to go to a different company to switch seats. You can absolutely 100% do that, and the entrepreneur thing going back and getting a job—that's a great question. I I get that one a lot too. We I mean, talk to entrepreneurs yeah. that you know maybe they've run a company for 30 years and now they're just kind of done with the the grind. Or they've sold it, and I mean
0: huh? and
1: now it's not about money anymore. It's I just want to find something that's fulfillment, but where I'm not, I'm not responsible for everything. Um, so there's a lot of those. Opportunities too, and a lot of companies. And it, a lot of these questions, it depends on the company because it, of course, from company to company. But there's a lot of companies that love an entrepreneur with great experience to come in, and uh you know, fulfill a specific need you might have. I even, I have a lot of the stuff for timeline. I have some posts coming out on social media here in the next couple of weeks, so like literally on these exact topics, some videos. But one of them was on just hiring, like an entrepreneur. Um, kind of a just an entrepreneur, not an op- entrepreneur in training, like just an entrepreneur in-house where someone just comes in, in residence, that's, that's what I'm trying to think of, where you're just hiring them for, maybe they just come for a year and they're going to focus on one specific project or one specific uh, initiative within your business. And meanwhile, they're training your people how to think more entrepreneurially or how to look at opportunities. And, you know, it's not a long-term hire, but it's just someone that has expertise in something that you really want to do in your business. Yeah. And they come in, entrepreneur-in-residence, they're kind of running that project or leading it, mentoring people around that project to get everything up and running and up to steam and create momentum. And then they're going to leave uh-huh. and help it continue with it. So that's, that's another opportunity for entrepreneurs coming into companies. And companies are looking for those kind of people.
0: Yeah. No, that, that's really, that's really good to know. And I feel like very useful for people out there. Cause I feel like I get these thoughts or questions and conversations all the time from people that are either entrepreneurs, completely trying to switch industries. Like I know a lot of people in real estate that are like, ah, you know what, maybe I want to get a job with a company, but who's going to hire me? Cause I've been doing this and such. So I think that's super helpful. Now, for the people that have been out of the workforce, like the stay at home mom or people that have been in completely different industries, how do you recommend that they like research what's fair compensation? Because we've seen with inflation and with just the cost of goods and just everything kind of skyrocketing, like, how do people? Find like, okay, this is an acceptable amount or I don't want to get underpaid, but I don't want to ask for too much, uh, and then potentially lose the opportunity, but I don't want to leave money on the table either. Uh, how can people kind of navigate that? That's a very, very good question. (laughs) question. (laughs) I'm glad I keep asking good questions.
1: (laughs) I'd say the first answer is Google. Mm Mm-hmm just Google it or chat GTP. See if that can help you. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And just do, just, just, just see what kind of free research you can do to find things out. Uh, If you know people that are either work at that company or know people that are doing that kind of job, ask them. Yeah. You know, I mean, in different parts of the country, I mean, we're both, you're in Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're both in the Midwest and people are maybe more shy about talking about money. Whereas other places of the country, you can just ask someone. Uh huh. So we're, but you can just have those conversations and do your research, whether it's one- on one or or using Google. Uh, I mean there's paid tools to do that kind of stuff, but or talk to a recruiter um, And how the, oh, the tactic I think that works really well in this in real estate, I mean you talk about like a real estate person going to do something else, well, do they want to hire me? Well, you mean you've done contracts, you've done negotiation. I mean there's a lot of skills uh-huh. coming in real estate one of them is let the other person throw out the first number. Yeah. See what the company is willing to offer you. And maybe you're thinking, oh, geez, if I can make $140,000 a year, that would be a dream. And you come in, they're like, yeah, we're, it's 170. Uh-huh. You just didn't say anything. And well, now instead of asking for 140, you're at 170. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's a very useful tool just to be quiet. No, I let let the company throw out a number first.
0: yeah. Now that's what I had recommended is like, hey, just wait to hear what they have to say uh, and you never know it, it could actually be higher than what you're hoping or anticipating. On the chance that it's lower, how much do you push for a higher number or is that offensive? Is that something that people should like, is there a range? Like, hey, they offered me a hundred, but I was thinking like a hundred and sixty. Like, is that too big a gap? Do you still go for it? Do you re? Do, do you reevaluate based upon their first number? Like, what would you recommend in that scenario?
1: Oh, that's a, a great <laughs> and it's you know the like the best book I've ever read on negotiation is Never Split the Difference. Uh-huh. A, yeah. model yeah.
0: That's the idea so
1: you kind of got to, you, you kind of got to know who you're negotiating on the other side with. I mean, maybe there's someone that just gives a low ball to try to anchor that as the like the yeah. starting point. So you just don't know who you're dealing with. Um, And one company might, you know, pay a hundred thousand dollars a year for this job, and company B might pay hundred and sixty for the same exact job. So it really depends from company to company. Um, so it's. I mean, obviously, it's helpful if like you're just switching companies. You're, but you, it's a career you've already been doing, so you have kind of a feel for where jump's going to be. And it's harder if you're just totally brand new and don't even know where to start. But as you said, I mean, inflation is out of control, and it has been for multiple years here, which is pushing up salaries. And I mean, you had mentioned, you know, you got somebody in your family who's a who's a lawyer. I mean, first year, first year lawyers out of law school that haven't even been in the law firm yet and it depends on where you're on the country but some are getting paid two hundred thousand dollars a year and they know nothing other than they just graduated from law school and like that's their starting salary yeah and that's not even in a giant firm i mean it's bizarre that is uh, wow wow yeah it's crazy and that's yeah. just because inflation is pushing things up and i think on the war for talent there's not a lot of people are going to law school and doing something else with it instead of going to work at a law firm. So it's compacting things. Um,
0: No. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful uh, in terms of just having the conversations, doing your research and just being knowledgeable, but also, you know what, just let them make the first move if they, if, if possible, and then try to, to, to see from there or, If it's not within a range that you feel comfortable with, there's always going to be other companies and they might offer you something a little different. So having an open mind to that. So as we're, yeah, I would talk talk to the
1: recruiter too. I mean, if you can find a recruiter specific to that industry or that kind of role, I mean, they'll probably
0: be able to give you some good insights too. Yeah. And so again, Kip is an expert at this. So, Check him out at his website, kipsearch.com. You'll also find him on LinkedIn and all the social media. Kip, what is the best way for people to connect with you or reach out to you? At?
1: Great question. So I'm on every single social media platform, and it's all the same. Kip Knipple, you know, Knipple, K I P K N I P P L. So it's the same on all of them. Um, so and it, Really, it's it doesn't matter. I mean, any one of those, you can email me or DM me or... If you go again, if you go to the website, it's got all my it's got all my socials on there and my email and it's all
0: it's all the same and it'll all come it, together. It you get to one way or another. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause uh uh as you can see, Kip is very giving with his time and his information, and that's what's led to his success. And uh if you guys are looking for high level talent, reach out to Kip he is definitely somebody that you want to work with. He genuinely cares about his client's best interest and what's going to be best for them. And he had mentioned more, he's in that advisor role. This is a long-term relationship, not a one transaction and you're done, which I feel like might be what you get with some other places. And so Really, if you're looking for talent, reach out to Kip and his group. They do an amazing job. KipSearch.com, or you can find him on all social media platforms. Uh, Kip, I can't thank you enough. There's like 20 other questions I have for you, but as we're getting to the hour mark, I'm like, okay, uh, we're going to have to probably cut this one off, but hopefully we can have you on again. Um and provide more value like this for the listeners. But uh, thanks so much for your time, my man. And uh, guys and girls, if you guys found value in this episode, please leave a comment, share the show. I know there's got to be something in there of value for either yourself or somebody that you know that's in the job search or is looking for talent or is looking to keep their talent at their company. Whatever it is, um, there was something in this episode. So make sure you show your appreciation to Kip as well. Reach out to him on social media. uh, And if you have any questions, he is very willing to have that initial conversation and at least steer you in a direction if he can't help you personally. So uh, thanks again for listening, everyone. Please share the episode. Leave us a review and uh so we can bring on amazing guests like kip moving forward as well so for your host young lee kip knipple thanks again for listening and watching guys thank you so much thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today i truly respect your time so i hope this was valuable to you and if you're a new listener then thank you for checking out the show and don't forget you can find all the resources links and show notes on our Facebook group, Chicago Business Review. Just go to Facebook and search Chicago Business Review so that you can find out all the latest info on future podcasts, get all the show notes, and network with other highly successful and driven entrepreneurs and professionals in Chicago. Also, Be sure to contact me while you're over there and share any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations you have as well. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.